Welcome to the San Antonio Baptist Association. You're listening to a Sabbath Topics podcast. Welcome to this edition of Sabbath Topics. Today we're talking about the issue of leadership, but specifically leadership during disruption. We have a number of panelists today who'll be contributing to our conversation. But as we get started, we we know that uh, during this time in our nation and in our communities, we have had a quite a disruptive time, and leadership has become very very important. Knowing where God is at work and knowing what decisions to make and when to make it has been vitally important. We want to start our podcast today by going around our digital room and letting each person introduce themselves and the position that they hold and where they hold that position. So gentlemen, if you'll go around the room and introduce yourself, then we'll get started. Good morning. I'm Rick Hudson. I'm pastor at the Lackland Baptist Church. And this is Chris Johnson. I'm pastor at the First Baptist Church of San Antonio. This is uh, Dr. Abe Hawkins, president of Baptist University of the Americas here in San Antonio, Texas. My name is Gary Patterson. I pastor the Berean Bible Fellowship, and I also uh, run an organization to, called the Church Leadership Development uh, Organization. Yes, I'm Joel Odom, and I'm pastor of the Oak Hills Community Church in Floresville, and uh, I've been here uh, almost 20 years as pastor. My name is Roland Lopez, and I am the um, church planning consultant for the San Antonio Baptist Association. Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate your time and being a part of the conversation today. We we all know that Paul and the scriptures give us a list of character qualities for leadership. Let me read those, and then we'll jump into our conversation. Paul says this in First Timothy chapter three. He says, "An overseer then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife." temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine nor pugnacious, but gentle, uncontentious, free from the love of money. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? Paul gives us a list of leader leadership qualities, but that doesn't necessarily tell us how we make decisions from day to day. That gives us a basis from which to make our decisions. But as we face different contexts from day to day, there are certain traits that leaders need to have in a changing context. And in our changing, current changing context, we want to Talk about some of the leadership traits that we see in great leaders in times of crisis. Joe, you were going to start off our conversation with mentioning one of our traits. Yes, uh, one of the traits that uh, really caught my attention was that leaders grow other leaders. About three years ago, I um, was thinking about leadership in my church and wondering, uh, well, who are the leaders? Who will the leaders be for this next year? And and um, I, I began to look and think and pray, and and I came up with the conclusion that um, I had no leaders really prepared to take on responsibility here in the church. And so um, I um, was convicted by one of our missionary friends 
who serves in Ghana, West Africa, to uh, do discipleship with some of my men and developing um, these disciples, developing leaders in discipleship. And so we begin to meet weekly uh, at one of the restaurants here. And uh, uh, early on a Monday morning, we begin to meet once a week. And I began to disciple some of the men in my church to become the leaders they needed to be. And uh, since that time, three years now, uh, I've developed, been able to develop, God's been able to develop great leaders uh, out of these men that I've been discipling once a week. And um, I, I realized that discipleship uh, is the key to growing other leaders within your church. And I believe the pastor needs to be involved with leading that out. And then, of course, what you would like to see is that uh, your church leading that out as well with other individuals and other groups, the discipleship groups as well, uh, so that we can develop the leaders that we need. Because you see, guys, I realize that I'm not going to be around Oak Hills Community Church, um, you know, for a long time. One day, God's going to call me home. And I don't want the church to suffer from a lack of leadership, maybe even dissolve because they're trying to follow me. I want other men to come after me so that they can lead out and do the things that they need to do to be good leaders and and uh, to lead the church into the future. What What are the thoughts of anyone else on the, the panel regarding the importance of developing new leaders? Well, there's no doubt, uh, Dr. Horn, that um, our brother um, has uh, mobilized himself and, and others uh, to do exactly that. He believes that that um, that is a priority not only for his church, but also uh, himself as a leader to invest of his life into others. So, I, I mean, that's uh, definitely top on the top of the totem pole uh, in when it comes to discipleship and leadership that uh, it uh, he's definitely doing it. And that's a, that's great to know that he's being a model for that. Yeah. I, I would uh, add to that as well. When you look in scripture, you see Jesus leading out in terms of investing in other people. He, he showed up on this earth grew up and said, I've got to find 12 people to start this uh, revolution called Christianity. And so he, he began to invest and did the same thing that uh, our brother just talked about. It's got to start with the leader to determine what's got to happen, who's going to be here when I'm gone, and continue to invest in other people. So uh, I agree with him wholeheartedly. So, Dr. Horn, one of the realities we have in this pandemic is that being forced out into the wilderness of this new reality it's also forced us to recognize new talent around us and new capability around us and to tap resources and people that we normally would not have thought of. To look at it in a biblical way, I think of Timothy and Titus. They weren't the most likely people that mm -hmm. would have chosen to fight, that the Apostle Paul would have chosen because of their personality, because of their youth, because of a myriad of situations. But what I think is, is helpful in this time of recognizing new talent is the idea of capitalizing on those new resources that have floated to the top based upon the pandemic. And I think a wise leader 
can lean into those resources because they were some of these resources in my church were kids going through high school. They just got out of college. They just got back in the congregation. But those are the people that I needed to embrace technology. And so they have thrust us into a whole new awareness and recognizing and opening the door. And, 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 and let me just say this. I don't mean to preach this a little bit. Getting my older members to make room for these younger folks to come in and bring in the abilities that they have and let that mushroom up in, in leadership strategy. And I think those of us who are leaders have to be able to move all of that and manage it to let it emerge organically because God purged us here that these new realities might be realized. Yeah, and I think one of the things, uh, or another thing, like Gary's saying that the pandemic has reminded us of, is that even as we develop these relationships, they never go according to plan, and often it can be messy. And so when I think back and think through the Apostle Paul, too, as he's going through his ministry and building these relationships, you see him, uh, it takes a few years, but then he goes to Jerusalem, and, and he meets with, with Peter, and, and they, they talk about what he's preaching and what's going on. You see Paul move into these relationships with Barnabas and John Mark, and then there's, there's tension. In fact, Paul, Barnabas, and John Mark, all, they go their separate ways where Paul uh, separates from them and, and then, then kind of comes back around and redevelops that, that relationship later. And so, you know, you see, you see Paul, Paul working with these men, and then you, you see some successes like with Timothy and others, but you also see some difficulty uh, with John Mark and Barnabas and Peter um, but Paul's going to push through those relationships by the grace of the Lord um, and, and still get the work done. I think sometimes um, one of the, the blessings in a time like a pandemic is we're reminded that, you know, God's with us even, even when it's messy, even when it doesn't go according to plan, even when it's not perfect, uh, the Lord will help us get through. And it wasn't perfect for, for Paul. Um, and Jesus' disciples had their own times where, where they stumbled uh, in that relationship as well. I think, too, what Joel is, is talking about, and, and uh, one of the points that was very important there is that he began to meet individually with these guys and uh, have, have them meet with him. Uh, sometimes we, I think we as, as pastors and leaders think that, uh, that we're developing leadership by our teaching and by our preaching, and, and certainly those principles can be you know, can be learned through that, but it's in the one-on-one, as Chris was saying, these relationships that get messy, sitting down and, and, uh, and visiting with people and working through issues and, and just teaching by example and, and, uh, and intentionally setting aside a time to develop those relationships. I think it's critically important uh, in developing leadership. Well, guys, it's been very, it has been messy with some of these guys, obviously. <laughs> and it's been messy with me, yeah. honestly. I mean, because as, as a pastor, I have to be honest with them, honest with my struggles, you know, with temptation and with sin. I have to be, you know, very transparent with them. And I have to trust them. And, I, and they trust me, you know. What we talk about many times in our meetings are some of our struggles. And, uh, those, those have been the most helpful meetings we've had, uh, you know, as far as, you know, learning about each other, learning how to pray for each other, and just, just taking the Word of God. You know, we were, one of the things I was thinking about, well, what kind of discipleship material should I use? And my missionary friend told me, uh, well, how about just using the Bible? Just open up the Bible. <laughs> hey, 
that's that's great. And so that's what I've been doing. And we've been going through different books and different passages as well. So, um, but it has been messy. It has not been easy. Uh, sometimes it becomes a counseling session, but that's okay because we need each other. You know, one of the one of the phrases that comes to mind as I hear you guys talk is the phrase, a lot more is caught than taught. Hmm. How do you feel like that <laughs> phrase, a lot more is caught than taught, affects the topic we're, we're dealing with of developing new leaders? I think it has to do with the modeling, um, the individual uh, observing uh, our life. And uh, we um, making that um, uh, in a very, um, what is it, intentional fashion that uh, we come to a point in our life that what's going to speak the most is the modeling of truth, the modeling of God's word, the modeling that we want to get across to uh, those that God has placed in our, uh, in our path. Uh, to uh, invest our lives in. Um, and so we can do a lot of teaching and uh, that's good information. But I go back to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he taught by example. He taught, uh, he did instruct, but it was more modeling. Um, you know, he when he uh, hears a woman that's about to be stoned, that comes to my mind and all of a sudden there's demonstration about his compassion. Uh, there's not an instruction. He doesn't say, look, this is the way you ought to do it. But he says, uh, he shows them. And so that's compassion and action. So I think that that's, uh, that's what comes to my mind. You know, Dr. Horn, we've been studying around Sabbath for a number of years, the whole concept of legacy leadership. And the beginning antidote around that has the idea of redefining legacy mm-hmm. from the confines that we normally look at it. Legacy Sometimes when we look at it is when I die, I want to leave a legacy. Well, we redefine legacy to talk about legacy is what I live today, one Mm -hmm. relationship at a time. So in regards to what you're saying right now, Dr. Horn, it's I call it one bump at a time. For an example, every time I talk to one of my leaders or every time I talk to you or every time I talk to Roland or every time I talk to anybody, that's a bump. I'm building my legacy one bump at a time. So my legacy is happening in my walk and in my talk as I interact with every person that I talk to and especially with the leaders that I'm developing. And so it's not only talking, but it's also walking the talk, as Roland was just emphasizing it, but also conceptualizing, looking that your legacy is your investment with each individual one bump at a time, which goes all the way back to my dear brother's point. And the legacy is in the conversation you're having with that person right then. And that's discipleship Mm -hmm. in its essence. And Jesus did that all the way through the three years. Every conversation that he had with everybody that he talked to was a bump. And his legacy was in that bump. And so connecting behavior uh, to, to intentionality is what I see in that. And then people can see what they're, what you're teaching because they see your behavior working it out. Taking your terminology, let me ask a follow-up question. Could someone briefly share about, 
uh, a, a leader that has been in your life who was the gave you the most significant bumps, the the daily bumps, or who made the most impact in your life? Um, what would you how how would you describe a, a leader that made the most significant impact in your life? Let me say this right quick, then I'm gonna get out of the way, Doctor Orr. But Doctor Price bumped me and Roland in this room right now. Mm-hmm. And we wouldn't be in this conversation had he not reached us as Paul and Timothy and put us in this place. So he bumped us to the seats that we're in right now. And so I would start with your predecessor and say he definitely did his job by bumping us all the way and some significant bumps he did do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can think of... And it's not just one bump, obviously. I know Gary would also agree that it's many bumps that get us where we need to go that lead the legacy, right? Uh, but I can think back when I was a, a youth in, in church, my youth minister, David Miller, was an amazing person who invested in my life and got me on the right track when God had called me to ministry, critical time in my life. And then when I get to, to the university, uh, the VSM director there, uh, Mike Whalen, was significant. He lived life with me. Uh, walk with me through some bruising times and some really difficult challenges while I was going through those formative university years. And so I can go down the line each season of my life, uh, you know, and, and say, these people have invested in me and really bumped me. I like that idea, Gary, of being bumped down the way. Uh, because in, in many ways, all of us on this podcast are a living legacy of other people who who have who has invested in each of us, right? And therefore, the responsibility lies with each of us to say, who am I going to invest in? Who am I going to bump down the road uh, that God has placed in our lives as well? So I love that analogy, Gary. I'm going to use that if that's okay. I think that's fantastic. because I think it really helps us think through this idea of leadership and legacy, not being when we're six feet under the ground, but when we're here on two feet doing the thing that God called us to do. I'm doing a jig over here, like in the African-American chest. You got me dancing over here. <laughs> <laughs> let, let, me, uh, let me mention one historical story, and then uh, we'll go around the room and let everybody uh, talk about one takeaway from our conversation, one final thought you would like to share. When I was in seminary quite some time ago, I was in a missions class, and had to write a report about uh, a particular missionary or missionary figure. I chose a guy named Kenneth Strachan. It was Kenneth Strachan Jr. His father, Kenneth Strachan Sr., had started either Latin American Mission or Central American Mission. And someone wrote, uh, wrote a paper about uh, Kenneth Strachan Jr., the difference between, or had made an observation about the difference between senior and junior. Seniors' uh, uh, funeral, there weren't many national leaders that, that he had developed, but one of the things that they said about Kenneth Strachan Jr. was there were 13 leaders on the stage at his funeral, 13 men that he left, that were solid, good leaders after uh, he was dead and gone, they carried on the, the ministry. 
And one of the things that stood out to me from having to write uh, a biography of him was that he invested in others. And it was very obvious, uh, not only during his life, but that was one of the legacies of his life was those 13 men that he had invested in. And I know we could come up with other figures in history who had invested in others. But let's, uh, Joel, let's start with you. Let's uh, go around the room and share one final thought on the topic we've been discussing. Well, I think the, 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 the men who bumped me, uh, I, when I was in seminary, many of my seminary professors meant so much to me. And those guys were great bumps for me. Uh, Roy Fish, you know, Curtis Vaughn. Uh, Tommy Lee, these guys really poured their lives into me as a student, and um, I'll always remember that. And that uh, I like that bump, man. I tell you, I, I, I'm gonna use that too, brother Gary. That's a great illustration, and these guys certainly bumped me to be the man that I'm today. Someone else. I think it all comes down again, uh, Daryl. We're talking about the bumps and all of that. I think it comes down to the personal interaction, the personal pouring into the lives of others to develop leaders. Uh, people become leaders when they have leaders who who lead them and uh, have a personal relationship with them. You know, Daryl, as I think about the, that idea of, of continuing mentoring, uh, I find it in my area of work and ministry, I have to work at finding those people that God brings my way just because of all the other distractions that come my way as a leader of even a small university. I have to be very cognizant of who am I going, who is God bringing around me into my life, understanding that principle that God is always a work around me, right? All right. Yes, Dr. Horn. My influential leader is Janine Sandstrom. Uh, she wrote Legacy Leadership, and uh, I get the privilege to ride around and go around the country lecturing with her. And just to sit and listen to her talk about leadership is such a blessing to me. And she's my inspirational leadership these days. One final thought for me. Um, yeah, I was reminded earlier as, as Joel was talking, when you're, when you're developing relationships, in particular uh, relationships where um, this discipleship is the goal. Um, one of the things that's been most impactful for me, and I've seen this happen uh, here as, as we work through discipleship uh, at First Baptist San Antonio, um, is that those times of confession matter and helping people uh, walk through what it means to be repentant, uh, what it means to be um, in confession before the Lord. And, and some of our deepest, most meaningful times of, of walking together in discipleship and deepening relationships have come in this context of confession before the Lord and, and then also confession uh, with your, your brothers in Christ. Um, and those can be, be powerful moments um, and, and very deepening for, for relationships and pushing you forward. And sometimes that's counterintuitive as a leader. Um, but, but sometimes uh, admitting a mistake can be the most powerful thing that you can do as a leader. Abe, do you have any final thoughts? Well, again, thinking through leadership and this idea of getting bumped down the road, uh, one of the things that, that keeps coming through my mind is, is this idea of being aware of who God brings around me and asking the question, is this somebody that you want me to invest in? And how much do you want me to invest in them? And what 
how does that infect or affect the kingdom that you're asking me to lead here? So it's really reminded me of that principle a long time ago. We've all gone through that uh, uh, Bible study called Experiencing God. The first principle is that God is always at work around you and me, and I need to be aware of that, always thinking through that, even through a leadership mindset. What is God doing here? How does he want me to be about his kingdom ministry in that person's life? We want to thank you for taking time to listen to this edition of Sabbath Topics. We're talking about leadership in disruptive times. What are good characteristics or traits of great leaders in times of disruption and turbulence? Thank you for listening. We'll pick you up on the next podcast where we pick up the conversation. Once again, if we can help you as a church or an individual, please call our association. We would be glad to serve you in whatever way we could. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Sabbath Topics Podcast. We look forward to continuing our conversation next time in hopes of better connecting, encouraging, and supporting churches for kingdom impact.